the fire. Judges don't have the role to play in making legislation or making law. Mm -hmm. And people should know that if you think something should be in the Constitution, there is a process for changing the Constitution. The main point of the Constitution is to protect the citizen from egregious, erratic, even unlawful government involvement in your life. Welcome to Through the Fire, cutting through the passions, clearing the smoke, of the cultural confusions of the world today. Talking God's love and God's solutions from a biblical Christian worldview. And now, here's your host, Marie and Gregory Seltz. The doctors are in. Hello, hello, everybody. I'm Marie. And I'm Greg. And welcome to Through the Fire, where we are on the case talking about the tough issues in the culture today, facing them with some psychological and theological explanations and applications that we hope will bless you. And today we're talking about a very important topic that is in the news, a topic that really matters to all of our lives and our freedoms. Marie, I hope you're talking about what I think you're talking about. Are you talking about the Supreme (laughs) Court, Justice Breyer's retirement and the nomination of Ketanji Brown to take his place? Yes, I am indeed. Of Mm. all the issues that we've talked about during the last presidential election, Mm -hmm. this was one of the most important. In fact, the life issue has been important for a while, right? Right, it has. And and so with the retirement of Justice Breyer, this issue is upon us. The Supreme Court is upon us again. So let me explain. One party uh, thinks that nine judges, think about this, they think nine judges should make policy for all 330 million of us. And the people that think that way now are in charge. Mm -hmm. Uh, With the last two years of government control of virtually every aspect of our life, I think that people are beginning to start to get a sense of what that really means when you actually uh, get dictated to by one or two or nine people. Mm -hmm. Um, It's like certain officials keep telling us what they're doing for us is for our good, whether we like it or not, when in reality it always seems to be more for their good than ours. It does. I also read a story the other day that reported that What we've known about all these COVID restrictions, vax mandates, and mask mandates. I mean, 33% of the children that started school for the first time with all these mask mandates and vax mandates need intensive intervention just to catch up to grade-level reading. And symptoms of anxiety and depression have doubled. I mean, that's what happens when a few people make all the decisions for the rest of us. Right. And that's a good way to frame our concern. And we all should have concern about this. And I I don't care if you're liberal or conservative, you should have a real concern about this because Mm -hmm. it's about your liberty. uh, And the court has a role to play. They aren't the ones Mm -hmm. who are supposed to make our laws. Uh, They're supposed to apply the laws that our representatives. Mm -hmm. So if you want to talk about uh, does that person represent us or do they look like us? Do they sound like us? Well, that's the person you vote for. That's your representative. And and they're supposed to apply those laws uh, with those people making the laws with our consent. That's why, you know, President Biden's statement that he was going to nominate someone who represented a population of our country that wasn't represented on the court presently is so outrageous. Right. 
I mean, the court isn't the representative body of our culture. That's not how we pick judges. Right. In fact, it's offensive to think that certain laws apply only to certain people anyway. I mean, as if we all can't live under the same laws. It's offensive to think that black people or Hispanic people or Asian people or Caucasian people all think differently about something just because of their race. Right. Many people came to this country because they... You know, they wanted to find freedom from that kind from of thinking. From that kind of thinking, Yeah, and right. if you think a law is unjust, that's fine, fine. It's, it, then elect representatives to change it, not our judges. Exactly, and that's what we've talked about so many times. The misuse of the Supreme Court could be the th- greatest threat to people's freedoms today, unlike any other aspect of government. In fact, you know, the founding fathers who set up the government in three branches, they did that so that each branch would be a check on the others. You know, they wisely warned us that if the judiciary aligned with either the executive branch or the legislative branch, uh, and that alignment, folks, is what we mean by activism, Mm -hmm. uh, our individual liberty would be lost. And that's why the last two presidential elections were so important. You know, no matter what you thought about President Trump's demeanor when it came to picking Supreme Court justices, he was right on. He promised to pick justices that applied the laws that were voted into being by elected representatives, not justices who would make the law as they saw fit. Yeah, and with the Biden administration, you know, we see the exact opposite commitment. Yeah, he promises this commitment, right? Right, he promised to deliver activist judges, and that's what we have in the potential Supreme Court judge, you know, nominee Kataji Brown. Mm -hmm. I mean, actually, in all the potential judges that Biden could have picked. You're absolutely right, and I wish people would have considered that when they voted in 2020, because an act activist judge can make a mess of things pretty quickly. Yeah, that's a provocative statement, one that we Mm. need to talk about. But I think before talking about that, we really probably should define some of the terms of our discussion today, don't you think? Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. I mean, most people think that it, that is, again, a liberal versus conservative thing Mm -hmm. or a Republican versus Democrat thing, as if the judges are to be representative of the party of our choice. It's not supposed to be that way at all. No. In fact, the discussion's uh, not supposed to be part of a judge's pledge at all. To be a judge, you're supposed to apply the laws as they're written, not modify them, stretch them, change them, or worse, disregard them. And this is especially true with the Supreme Court. Their job is to make sure whether something is constitutional or not. And just ask why, folks, because the constitutional limitation of government protects our freedom. Even our legislators are going to want to do stuff that's in their best interest, Mm -hmm. or they're going to want to do stuff just for themselves, not even for you. And the Constitution is that final protection against that. So these judges are supposed to rule according to the laws that are made by our representatives, because that's what a free country does. And that's what free citizens do who consent uh, to being ruled by political servants. So Mm -hmm. judges are supposed to be, think of it this way, they're supposed to be impartial referees, and we play the game by the rules that we've agreed to through our representatives. Mm -hmm. And to me, that's a vital, vital thing, especially at the Supreme Court level. I mean, it's hard to imagine people wishing it to be otherwise. Right. Why would you want to live in a country where a judge could erratically apply or not apply the law, depending on whether he liked or didn't like you? I remember when I used to play a little tennis back in Florida. Do you remember that? <laughs> yeah, actually, I do. Uh, of course I do. You were very competitive. You, uh, you were pretty good. I, I used to love playing with you. You played several <laughs> matches, though, if I remember the one day you are talking about, in a tournament without drinking enough water, and then I had to go get you from the emergency room. So, yes, I do remember. You were pretty good out there, but you were a little bit too intense sometimes. <laughs> 
times. <laughs> well, okay. Yeah, I should have hydrated better. <laughs> yes, you should have. And it was it wasn't the emergency room on that one. Uh-oh. I actually had to stay overnight on that one. Oh my gosh, I forgot. It yeah. was even worse. <laughs> I try not to remember. <laughs> but, but but really, I was thinking how terrible it would have been for a tennis umpire to start calling the lines differently for me versus my opponent. Mm-hmm. Let's say that they thought the other person needed a bit of help. Or so they let them serve to any part of the court they wish. <laughs> Can you imagine? Right? Yeah. Not in the service box because, you know, poor thing, it's, you know, lesser than whatever. <laughs> I mean, think about it. This is how ridiculous it, it is. Or that they could hit the ball in the doubles alley and it would still be called in. Mm-hmm. I mean, if every umpire did that, right, then right. we couldn't play the game anymore. Who would want to do that? And who would want to live that way in our country? It's crazy to think that umpires, referees, and worse, judges should just make up the rules as they go along. You know, that's a great illustration. And I think it's absolutely... Yes. (laughs) See, you're hitting outside the lines again. (laughs) Foul. Out. (laughs) No, it is a great illustration because it's simple and straightforward and it gets to the heart of it. Um, But there are many places in the world where erratic, capricious judges, police, and politicians are the rule. They just do as they please. And and those are not pleasant places to live. Or visit. And, and we, yeah, we visited a lot of those mm-hmm. places too. Here, the foundation for our society, for our civility, and for justice. And we're not saying that injustices don't occur, but um, again, the justices are supposed to apply the law, mm-hmm. and the justice and law is supposed to be blind, applied justly to the rich and the poor alike. Mm-hmm. And even if we always haven't lived up to that, and we're acknowledging that, we got to strive still. For that. I agree. It's one thing to continue to strive to get better or more faithful at that, right? Right, right. And we've had bad judges in the past and bad rulings, but it's quite another to be so brazen to say, we don't like the laws as they are, so we're just not going to follow them or apply them, and we're not even going to try. Right. So, I mean, okay, so let's say we've had bad justices in the past. Well, now we're not going to say, well, we're going to elect activist judges to correct that, right? (laughs) Right. So, you know, when it comes to this process, we as people, black, white, Hispanic, Asian, everywhere in between should demand judges stay in their lane, apply the law as not create law as if they're the legislators themselves. So it's not. this is not about liberal versus conservative right. when it comes to judges. If people are talking like that, they are missing the whole point. Mm-hmm. It's supposed to be about constitutional judge, one who applies the law as written, versus activist judge, mm-hmm. one who thinks of themselves as the legislator, not a judge for all our sakes. One applies the law. Uh, even if they don't agree with the law as written, the other expands the law, even changes it to fit what they think it should be. Yeah. Scary stuff. Now, I know, you know, in your work in D.C., you are thinking about this a lot. Right. And you said that activist judges can make a mess of things pretty quickly. Can you share some of those times when that has happened, where judges did what they thought was right rather than applying the law as it was written. Do you have some examples of that? Yeah, well, I mean, one of the most uh, famous ones is right back here in St. Louis uh, before the Civil War, the Dred Scott decision. It was Mm -hmm. an activist judge, dare I say activist judges, Mm -hmm. uh, led by the Chief Justice Roger Taney. They declared that black people weren't uh, afforded political protections by the Constitution because they were slaves. Now, listen, we had a Declaration of Independence that said all men are created equal and have unalienable rights. We had a Constitution that its main purpose was to ensure that the government undergirded and respected those rights. And we had the stain of slavery, which the rest of the world, by the way, thought was no big deal. Mm -hmm. But it went against our foundational creeds. Mm-hmm. And we already had, and people forget this, we had abolition movements going on all around America trying to stamp it out, stamp out slavery. But no, 
seven justices decided to make the decision for all of us. And I think that was the thing that lit the wick that became the Civil War, where 550,000 men uh, died because of it. The justices got out of their lane. They had right. no right to say that. Right. And it, it even went against our, our creeds. And then the other one uh, that a lot of people aren't aware, well, they're aware of, but they don't think of it as an activist court, was Roe v. Wade, right. um, where the country was was moving in a pro-life way, like incredibly, state by state by state, and an activist court found a constitutional right of abortion in the Constitution when it's not there. Mm -hmm. And suddenly differences of opinion, even differences of conscience, were divided by law. And if you were pro-life and felt that babies needed protection, you were suddenly illegal because five people said so. And it didn't happen by our legislators, but by, uh, not those nine people, but five actually. Yikes. Mm -hmm. That's why I say they can make a mess of things just pretty fast. I also think that this pick a judge who represents the people perspective is disingenuous too. Mm. I mean, as a conservative Hispanic, it makes me mad when people tell me how Hispanics should vote. Right. Uh, Hispanics, you know, are for the rule of law. We are for strong families, for religious liberty. We want the government to stay in its lane. Right. We work hard and we want to be able to take care of ourselves and our family as we see fit. And we can think for ourselves, people. Mm-hmm. You know, it's offensive to think that if you are black, Hispanic, or Asian, or white for that matter, that you must want abortion, that you must want the government to make decisions for your livelihood, for your families. You want people, you know, dictating to you how you should live because you can't make the decisions for yourself. I mean, that's offensive. Your skin color doesn't dictate your values. I mean, talk about the psychological damage that happens whenever you are given messages like that. Mm-hmm. You know, I think you're absolutely right. This is not the way you want to live to be dictated to by um, nine people. So well said, honey. And let me summarize that our work in Washington, D.C., it's, it's merely our effort to try to keep the federal government out of the decisions that citizens should make for themselves and their families. We're not trying to politicize these issues at all because we've seen how fickle, even how heavy-handed government officials can be when they abuse their power. And we still live in a country where we can politically fight back and try to solve our our problems uh, in our neighborhoods as neighbors rather than resorting to calling the law in to punish those with whom we might disagree. So that's what we try to do in D.C. If you want to know more about that, you can go to our website, lcrlfreedom.org. That's Mm -hmm. lcrlfreedom.org for more info. You know, in fact, in our Liberty Alert, it's amazing how timely this is. Just a mm-hmm. few weeks ago, we had on Carrie Severino. And for those of you who might not know who she is, she's probably one of the country's experts on all things Supreme Court. She's a best-selling author on these things. And a week after the interview, she came out with an article specifically about the new Supreme Court nominee. And she spoke about the many Brown rulings in the lower courts and that she's exactly who the progressive left. And what I mean by that is people who think the state should make all the decisions, the big decisions for your life. Mm -hmm. And this is what uh, she said. I quote, she said, she's a judge who will deviate from the text of the Constitution and the statutes without hesitation to ensure the, the you know, secular progressive left's preferred policy outcomes. And that just doesn't sound like that's the kind of judge that's very scary, you actually. want on the Supreme Court. That's no, very scary. Well, people... a, lot of her, a lot of her rulings were overturned because she, she was willing to test these boundaries like right. crazy. I hope people go and listen to your Liberty Alert and hear what Carrie has to share with them, because I think that's everyone it, needs to know. And she's a person who studied this stuff for years and years and years, and she wants to keep the judiciary 
very honest as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that sounds like a judicial philosophy, you know, that can make a mess out of things pretty quickly. Yeah, in fact, like she pointed out, and we're pointing out here, it's a judge who will call things outside the lines, outside the box, even make up new lines for certain people and no lines for others. And that's not what you want a judge to do. Mm-hmm. It's a whole different judicial philosophy, uh, different than equal justice before the law. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, and when a judge can change the law, it will. It's just so scary. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's one other ruling, and we won't get into too much of it, but the Obergefell ruling, which just out of thin air created the right for gay marriage in the Constitution. So, again, we're asking the question, what's the court's involvement in this? So I don't care what your view of marriage is at this point. Um, There's nothing the Constitution says about it because that's about what's the government's role in this. In fact, um, when we argue this on the Hill, the government, if you have a proper understanding of that, doesn't grant rights. It always limits rights when it makes law. And so the question was for us with the Supreme Court was what's the government's legal involvement in marriage? Well, it was to limit the rights of a man and a woman, make them sign a contract called marriage. And then you said, well, why would they do that? Well, because the government doesn't want to raise your children and the male female couple is the only one that can go to sleep tonight, wake up tomorrow with a new citizen. (laughs) And the government doesn't want to raise citizens. Every other relationship doesn't have that capacity. So our argument was if the government can't limit their involvement in marriage to that, it's nefarious involvement to that, they should get out of the whole marriage business. Mm -hmm. But overnight, they created a right of marriage in the Constitution when it's not there. And now our country's at war with each other over conscience differences about marriage, children, adoption. It's just crazy. Yeah. And that's the main point of all this. Judges don't have the role to play in making legislation or making law. Mm-hmm. And people should know that if you think something should be in the Constitution, there is a process for changing the Constitution. The main point of the Constitution is to protect the citizen from egregious erratic, even unlawful government involvement in your life. And if there are things that need to be amended in that regard, there is a process. Right. For goodness sake, we had prohibition. As yeah. in the, I, I'm so glad we don't have it now. I'm, I'm telling you. No wine with dinner. <laughs> but, you know, we had prohibition as an amendment to yeah, the Constitution. Yeah, we amended the Constitution. And we repealed it. Right. And it seems pretty straightforward about how to put things in the Constitution that aren't there. And whether you think drinking is right or wrong, the point of the Constitution is whether that is a federal government issue or not. It isn't. It isn't. It's something that's free. Moral people can decide for and, um, and on their own. Right. Well, I mean, man, you are on a roll today. No, but, you know, this is the scary thing. <laughs> well, it is. I mean, you know, um, yeah, I'm just sitting back and listening because I think it's all good stuff. You're so right. The Constitution is pretty straightforward um, because it's, it's supposed to be limiting the federal government. It says what it means and what it doesn't mean. And there are people who don't like that and even legislators who don't like that. They don't like to be bound to that. But our founders, you know, they realized that for liberty to endure— Um, It was to be free people living virtuously for others that would keep it. And the government, if it got a hold of that, would screw it up if it Mm -hmm. amassed power for itself. Mm -hmm. So that's why conscience issues. They need to have some limitation in law. It should be through our representatives. And if, if they make laws that violate our basic freedoms, that's what the Constitution is talking about, then the Supreme Court should act. Mm -hmm. Now, you know, I hate to tell you this. But about that, one thing you're going to hear now through this nomination process is this phrase, judicial activism. Be careful who is saying it and why. Again, very simply, judicial activism is a judge acting outside of the law that he or she is sworn to uphold. That's its meaning. 
activist politicians are trying to claim now that constitutional judges who overturn too many laws that are unconstitutional, well, they're activists too because they do it a lot. That's not what we mean, and that's not the phrase. But there, you know, people are calling Clarence Thomas, who's probably the most constitutional judge mm-hmm. on the bench today. They're calling him an activist judge because... He's overturning some of these activist rulings that have come out in the past. So, mm-hmm. again, be careful because they're confusing. They're using sometimes the same words to mean two different things. Mm-hmm. Another way that people try to confuse the issue is calling the Constitution a living document, right, right. as if the principles of equal justice before the law, unalienable re- uh, rights of life, liberty, and the virtuous pursuit of happiness, property rights, etc., as if those things don't apply today. Man, that's another great point. You know, people. <laughs> You know, it's interesting, too. People do this to the Bible as well. There are people who believe that God's Word, um, you know, it, it, apply, it, it applies today, but it just isn't like when it did, you know, back then because it was written so many years ago. But honestly, the question is, do the truths of God change? Uh, his laws don't change. His good news doesn't change. And people's fundamental mm-hmm. needs don't change. Mm-hmm. You know, the point is when people call the Bible the living word, um, it's alive on its terms. It's not alive because of how we reinterpret it over and over and over again to fit our perceived, you know, preconceived notions as to what it should mean. Now, mm-hmm. now listen, I'm not comparing um, uh the Constitution to the Bible. But uh, there are some parallels because uh, there are fundamental principles in the Constitution, moral principles derived from it in natural law that are enduring. They're worth building our culture upon. Mm -hmm. And if you realize that it's the most enduring point is to limit government because the power of government in sinful hands must be limited so you can be free, Wow, to me, that that means as much today as it's ever meant, and it doesn't need to be changed, updated, or worse, discarded. It needs to be applied today because it's as true today as it was in the past. Yeah, so there, these are some things to be thinking about in the days to come concerning you know, the nomination of Judge Ketanji Brown to the Supreme Court. Uh, keep in mind foundational principles like constitutional judges versus activist judges. Mm -hmm. Think about judges applying the law, not making the law. Think about referees who apply the rules fairly to all, not referees who make up the game on the spot. And then when you vote, think about legislators who will do their job. Yeah, and and think about presidents who will nominate judges who who do what they're supposed to do and then do that well. So... um, How do you think the nomination will go? Well, I think Judge Brown will be confirmed. But, you know, for all the wrong reasons. And I I think that such a nomination will send the message that it's okay to have activist judges on the Supreme Court. And, you know, I always remind uh, people that the first person who wanted activist judges on the court was the Democrat President Woodrow Wilson, probably the most racist president we've ever had. He also wanted to pack the court to increase the justices beyond nine. He wanted them to be activists, to rule a modern country because he didn't think regular people could rule themselves with all the changes of the 20th century. I mean, think about that. Mm -hmm. Um, Can you imagine our country if a Jim Crow Democrat could rule the country through Mm -hmm. nine unelected activist judges with no way to fight back legislatively because the justices were writing the law and, and not applying the law as it was written? 
um, that almost happened in our history. And I, I, I'm, I'm tired of saying, you know, that this is not an important issue because it's a huge issue. We've seen it before with Dred Scott, Roe v. Wade, Obergefell. We've seen the chaos, the destruction that ensues when our freedom's at risk, when nine people determine how 330 million of us should think and live. And so, again, that's why elections matter. That's why freedom is the key, not judicial activism. We don't need more government control, but free people like yourselves, religiously motivated, uh, virtuous people living your lives for the sake of your families, your churches, and your neighborhoods. And I hope that people can begin to see that this activism in law is actually really a threat to all of that. Right. It's a time to watch, to pray, and to make our voices heard. That's for sure. That's for sure. And always, remember there are two kinds of fire in the world. The one that burns and consumes. And the one that burns and empowers. May God's word and God's love burn brightly in you, giving you strength to face any fire. Till next time, little embers, I'm Marie. And I'm Greg. (laughs) See See you you soon. Through the Fire is a production of Family Vision Media. FamilyVisionMedia.org.